Hey, we're glad you're here. I'm Anna. And I'm Ariana, and we are The Authentic Collective. In this podcast, we take you on our journeys to becoming our authentic selves through stories, discussions, and revelations. We discuss things like boundaries, relationships, spirituality, therapy, and self-love. You can find us here weekly, and be sure to follow along on Instagram at the underscore authentic underscore collective, where we have more of your favorite content. We are so excited to embark on this journey together and with you as well. Get comfy, listen in, and dive deep. Hey. Hey. We're at episode 11. Episode 11. On se. We've made it. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited about today's topic. What are we talking about? We are talking about your authentic self in the workplace. Yes. Long stare at the floor. <laughs> so this is going to be good. Um, I I say that every week because I believe that with my whole soul. But I genuinely feel like we, as a culture, I mean, work takes up what are what are how many hours a week? Like on average, I don't even, I don't know the math. I think the statistic is almost like eighty percent of your life. Okay. Okay. Nobody quote me on that. I pulled that number straight from the ceiling. <laughs> it just dropped into my head. Yeah, there you go. I don't think it's correct, but it, of, it's a really high. They say like work is like your second family. It's got to be over half of your life for sure, for sure, and most of your week, like a good three quarters, yeah. if not more, of your week. We could say five sevenths, but I just feel like I don't know. I didn't know you were an accountant. I'm definitely not. I'm just thinking five days out of seven. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Five days of the week that you work? Out of the seven I work days weekends I too sometimes. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so on average, yeah. point being, we work a lot. And it it does take up so much of our life. So much of our social lives are built around work. So much of our mental health mm. is rooted in our workspace and in our work cultures. So we felt, particularly Anna felt, because it was your idea, that it would be a great idea to talk about that because not only do we have a lot of stories to share and what we feel a lot of valuable insight to share with our journeys that are very different mm. um, in workplaces and what it looks like to to be authentic or to, you know, what all that involves. But hopefully it can bring some help or some advice to people who are really struggling with this. And we'll touch a little bit too, I think, on career paths and and -hmm. what it looks like to hash that out i think we're at a part of our lives where most people are just trying to figure it out still Mm -hmm. including us um you a little bit more ahead of me but you have your days you know where you're (laughs) unsure my crises you have your crises and we all have have times where we look at our work and we wonder is this meaningful Mm -hmm. um am i doing something fulfilling for me so ultimately that's kind of what we want to touch on too so yeah yeah. just like alignment of your true self and your wants um with your job and your career path which <clears throat> you asked me earlier you're like what are, what are you going to talk about and i had like one idea and kind of as you were giving that introduction i came into this other idea to kind of show the comparison of my age and the jobs i have and have had and have and how i feel now mm-hmm. so um i'm going to kind of take it a little history lesson for a second so do it I was a dancer from fourth grade up until senior year of high school. That was completely my identity fully. Like, I was Anna the dancer. <clears throat> she was. I was um, there. 
It's great. <laughs> but with that, I also got a job as a dance coach and as an office manager for the dance studio. And at the time, looking back, um, I could say that that job was 100% aligned with who I was because I was a dancer. I loved dance. It was something I did outside of school. It was something that took more hours of my life than school did. Like I, we practiced so much during the week and we traveled on the weekends. Um, I love to teach. I love to talk to little kids because I had a little brother growing up at the time. Um, and my studio was run by a Ukrainian coach and I was Russian and it just worked out really well for us. And so at that point, I was very aligned. I was very excited to leave school, go to work. I didn't care how many hours I spent in the dance studio, especially when I started driving. It was one of those, like, I would tell my mom, hey, like, I'm going to the studio and I could get lost in the studio for like four to six hours at a time, whatever it was doing, talking to parents, doing stuff around the studio, creating, right? You have to create choreographies for your kids. There was so much creativity behind it. And so I did that for a good like seven to eight years of my own dance career. And then I had to shift out of that because my partner and I split. He went to a different university and I went to AM and I started focusing on, okay, the scholastic side of me, which was math, right? It was accounting, finance, business. Um, I really dove into that. I did some training as a ballroom coach my first year. I actually found a dance club that asked me to be their instructor, which was really cool. Um, and then I just kind of fell off of it and I turned um, most of my attention to bodybuilding, um, going to the gym, and that became my identity. So I was like nerd Anna during the day at the business school, like studying accounting and finance and then at night I would go work out and that just became my kind of process I knew what I was working towards I knew I needed to get a degree I needed to get a full-time job <clears throat> coming out of college I signed with one of the big four um, I have a great external auditing career um, that I'm building but what I'm coming to find right now especially with authentic collective starting and the reason we started authentic collective was I was lacking this huge sense of creativity. Um, I don't particularly think I'm the most creative person. I, I'm very, you know, type A. I'm very kind of by the rules. I don't really think outside of the box in, in terms of how some people do. I think some people are just ingenious creators, um, including you, like watching just design creation and writing as well. You know, I see that in you. That's just not my personality. But I realized that the part of me that is creative was missing that. And so now I'm coming to find that, yes, I enjoy my day job. I do. I enjoy the people I work with. I'm shifting teams. I'm meeting new people. Like I have very, very interesting paths in front of me. But now there's a part of me that's lacking in what I actually want to do. And what I actually want to do is what we're doing now. It's speaking the truth of how I feel, teaching people because I, I just love teaching because I think it also helps me learn along the way and connecting with people and networking. Like those are the things that I was able to do in dance that I didn't even realize gave me that outlet mm -hmm. that I actually really miss now being, you know, 24 and focusing on my accounting career. Yeah. Um, so that's just been very interesting. It's definitely been some identity crises. Like, I know we joke about that, but in, in truth, it, it is many identity crises, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know we've talked in previous episodes about what a midlife crisis is. And although we're very far from ours, I've seen it in my parents. Mm -hmm. And I see that the common theme of a midlife crisis isn't, oh, I have all this money. Let me go buy a Corvette. It's, 
No, I haven't allowed myself to actually do the things that I enjoy doing. And so it comes out in very uh, erratic behavior, right? Some yeah. some people like buy yachts, some people buy cars. Like, I mean, people do crazy things during their um, midlife crises. And so having it now where I don't really have responsibilities or anything grounding me, like realistically, like no kids, no husband, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have those crises and shift my direction and find that balance between okay, I love my numbers in that career and the stability of it, Mm -hmm. but I also love this creativity, creating from nothing, really owning something. Like, this is totally ours. I think, I don't think I give us enough credit sometimes that Authentic Collective isn't, we don't work for somebody or we don't talk to somebody about it. Like, we do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that really feeds my um, creativity side. Yeah, and I think we can expand you know the definition of creativity to to be just your self-expression and it can come out through auditing like there's not there's no rule that says it can't you know I think creativity can show itself in numbers and science and oh yeah I mean yeah like data data needs creativity as well like how do you present your data yeah for sure I have any of that come to be creativity Mm -hmm. So I, I see it as the root, you know, of everything. I'm glad you agree. So, but I, I totally obviously resonate with sort of being in a place where you, you don't feel like you are self-expressing properly or the way that you want to. Because I, you know, we joined in this together with the same sort of like root issue of, you know, where I'm at right now in life is good, but it could be better. And there's something that's pulling on my heart and we, we just wanted to follow it. Mm. And that's why we're doing this. And I think, obviously, it's going to look different for everyone. And there is the question of, you know, should your work be your, like, passion? Should you have a hobby that's your passion? I don't feel like... I feel like that's a dumb question. I don't know. I, like, my... <laughs> I'm, I'm not about to call it my dad. But my dad used to always tell me, like, you know, your work doesn't have to be your passion. And he really drilled that into my head. I think because he wanted me to have some financial security, mm-hmm. which is fine. I, that advice isn't untrue. Yeah. But I think the question itself is silly because it's like, whatever you're passionate for, do it. If it turns into work or if it is work, awesome. If it is just a hobby and it stays a hobby for the rest of your life, awesome. If it fluctuates between the two, awesome. Like, I think we're both with Authentic Collective at a point where it's it's a hobby but if it turned into work we wouldn't be angry about it no definitely not and I think in a sense you have to go through the trial and error of balancing right like we have times where sometimes we don't even talk about authentic collective for like a week yeah and then we have days we talk about it every day because we're just on this flow of creativity and it is it's a constant balancing act like tomorrow we could wake up and something amazing could happen to the podcast and they're like we need you full-time like you need to create I'd be like hell yeah like putting in my two weeks like who knows right because those are the opportunities that come our way but I agree with the financial stability I think that's how most of America and actually not the world I think that's how most of America lives is that idea of okay come out get a job get financial stability and then if you have time get a hobby or do what you love yeah I think there's not there's a shifting focus I think there hasn't been much of a focus on finding your passion or doing what you love and I think that there's sort of a cultural shift I would dare to say 
happening with people being like, no, I want to do what I love in some capacity. And I think that that's a good thing because you have more people putting their passions out, more people contributing something positive to the world, to the collective, like we always say. Um, for me, I mean, with work, I, I didn't have a official job until I was like 19. I think I was 19. Yeah, 19 or maybe 20. Um, and it was because I took a year off after high school and I went to go live in Germany for six months. And then when I came back, I was like, okay, I need a car. Mm. So, you know, I had no option. So I found the nearest place to my house that I could bike to, which was a dog hotel and got a job there and biked to work, you know, back and forth every day, rain or shine and saved up money to buy my first car cash did that and then I started going to take college classes it was like always a goal of mine to to get higher education I've wanted to be a teacher since I was a kid Mm -hmm. um in some capacity I don't know why I think it's just I'm pulled towards teaching like you are I love being in leadership positions I love mentoring I love being with kids um you know I want to teach high school I really do yeah I'm very passionate about teenagers and like that they're the next you know, generation Mm -hmm. and that they're figuring themselves out and sort of carving out their spot in the world. And I love that. And then I have a huge passion for, you mentioned writing English. Um, So it's like English teaching would be something that I could be really good at and I'd have a lot of fun with. So that's always been the goal because what I wanted to do. So I started taking college classes to get myself to that goal, but it's, it's been a very slow process. I'm not even done today um, because I've always been paying for college myself, like out of pocket. It's like two classes a semester. Um, And then I took a year off when I got married, um, which was for the best because I had to adjust to everything. And before I got married, I switched jobs because after a couple years of a boarding facility, it just wasn't paying enough. And I ended up finding a reception job at a vet clinic through a coworker who's now one of my really good friends. And I wanted to switch to something more like people-facing, like front-facing, because I really like talking to people. I like that interaction. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this could be fun. So I switched to that, did that for a year. In the course of that, met my husband. And then when we got married, they and I moved, they moved me to a sister clinic of that clinic. So I've been working at that vet hospital front desk for like two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been in the animal industry (laughs) for like five years now. Um, going on six years and it's funny because people always are like surprised when I tell them that I'm an English major <laughs> and trying to be an English teacher because they're like then why are you working in the vet field and I'm like yep. it was an accident <laughs> but it pays me you know decent it pays me enough to like put my half of the you know income uh towards towards our lives and it I like I love the people I work with now and it's like fun you know I love animals uh, that's always been a passion of mine in another life, I'd probably be like an animal rescuer for sure. <laughs> so it, it's it's paying the bills. And I'm, I have a couple more years left in my degree till I can graduate and do that career. So in the midst of it, it's like being in a weird place because it's like I'm working a job. Like it's just a job. It's not mm-hmm. a career. It's not what I'm going to do with the rest of my life for sure. But trying to find like the meaning in it, it it's <laughs> you've had regular jobs prior to your degree. So I know, you know, but like. It's like, even if it's something that you're good at, it's almost like character building 101. Mm -hmm. 
Like, I almost see it as an opportunity. I don't want to say I'll be done with character building by the time I have a degree. It's not true. You you know. <laughs> but, like, it's like you really have to learn to apply yourself. You learn to work with people. You learn all the different types of people you can interact with. You learn how to deal with people. Like, it's a good experience. And it's, you know, sometimes it sucks because I'm like, I could be doing something that I really, really loved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes I sit there doing computer work and I'm like totally unfilled or answering the phone and dealing with the client. I'm like, of course, I don't want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't my idea of a fun time, but it's my job. Like, I'm doing it to make money. And so it's weird to find that balance because it's a little bit of cognitive dissonance of being like, I'm totally unfulfilled right now, but I'm comfortable and happy with where I am. And I think that's where a lot of people relate to because we all find ourselves in that space at some point in time. Where it's like, either you know what you want to do or you have no idea, but you're Mm. somewhere just surviving. And you want to get from just surviving to like thriving and feeling like you're living a fulfilled life, but maybe you don't know how to get there or even worse, you don't have the resources to get you there. Not everybody can go to college. Not everybody even has an idea of what they want to do. You don't need, you know, a degree to do what you love, but maybe you don't have the money, you don't have the capital to do it to start your own business or like go to hairstyling school or whatever it is hold on i want to kind of backtrack because like you actually like you said a sentence and it was like a perfect tangent so i'm gonna rewind so you're like sitting at work unfulfilled so how do you find the opportunity to show up authentically to a job that you don't necessarily enjoy like or let's say you do enjoy and like it but you know it's not your true self right because I mean as as much as this conversation it is so important of finding things that are aligned with you Mm -hmm. I think it's just as important to discuss how to stay aligned yeah in the things that we don't necessarily enjoy because you can't always be in situations where you're just like living your best life right um so okay let me sorry let me give a more detailed question so how do you show up authentically mm-hmm. um and what kind of experiences have you had where you were like okay this is totally not me i'm just here doing the robot motions or okay this job allows me to express some of my authenticity in the moment yeah so the biggest biggest thing and i see this in myself and i see it in other people all the time is the key to to feeling authentic at work and to being authentic at work actually lies in the times where you're not at work. So a huge portion of it relies on you being, you having a fulfilling life outside of work. Because maybe your job isn't fulfilling to you. Like it's not fulfilling to me right now. But outside of work, I have school, which Mm -hmm. I enjoy. It's work, but I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. I have friendships that I have deeply invested myself into. So I have community. I have my relationship with my husband that I invest mm-hmm. and work on. Um, I have things that I enjoy, like reading and like throwing myself into other things. Ta- I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. I exercise. I eat well. Um, I, I express myself creatively through, through this, through Authentic Collective. So when I go into work, I'm not relying on work to give me anything, Mm, if that makes sense. mm -hmm. I don't need anything from my job. Um, I'm not relying on it to give me happiness or fulfillment. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't really think we should in any case, but it's like I'm already coming as a full cup. Mm. So throughout the day, I can bring myself to the table. And I have, everyone has their off days. I have my days where I didn't sleep well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my personal life isn't going that great. And it does affect my job because those two things affect each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually think it's about that because I have had and have coworkers who have no social lives Mm -hmm. outside of work. They have no hobbies um, and they're not happy outside of work. And so they're not that happy inside of work either. Mm. And I think it has a huge thing to do with that, which is very fascinating to me, but it kind of makes sense. Um, No, it totally makes sense. You know, you said that and um, I I have a little bit of a different perspective to offer, but everything you said, I completely agree with. And I just, I haven't been able to put that in words, but it makes total sense that if you're fulfilling yourself outside of work, you can come into your job as a fulfilled, authentic person. Yeah. And to the other part of your question, there's the times that I've been like, this is definitely robotic. Mm. It it comes down to like, just feeling completely drained and burnt out, mm-hmm. which we talk about burnout a lot as a culture right now, which I think is very important because it was not discussed very much before. Yeah. Um, we need to talk about it more. And it needs to be addressed way more seriously in the workplace. But this idea of burnout, you know, you've given all you can to that job. It's not giving anything back to you. Um, You know, maybe your coworkers suck. Maybe your management Mm. or your manager is terrible. And that's also the reality for a lot of people. So that's going to leave you burnt out. That's not going to... Even the most fulfilling of careers is going to feel very empty, when you know with that perfect combination of stressors and that has a lot to do with like corporate culture and like company culture or like your job you know wherever you work the culture there matters like almost more than the job title itself Mm -hmm. perfect example right now you know I'm leading the front not a glamorous job not my dream job but I have a freaking great manager I have really fun coworkers, and I have good clients So I've stayed this long because I go to work and I have a good time. Like, Mm. is it fulfilling? Like, as a life, you know, purpose? No. Like, Mm -hmm. me answering phones? Not really my ideal, like, destiny. But that culture kind of combines together. Because my husband's asked me before, like, why don't you go try to, like, sub or anything? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm I'm okay where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Like, I really enjoy the culture that I'm in right now. And it's a make or break. And I also do have the chance to express express myself creatively because my manager sees some of my talents for, um, you touched on it, but like my social media design and she's had me do that stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really randomly, I have like a weird talent for like computer issues. <laughs> Don't know what that's about. Just discovered that in the past couple years. So I fix all of the technology issues at work. And I just think it's really fun. I don't know why. I just have a lot of fun. I'm like a huge nerd when it comes to that. So I have plenty of opportunities to like you apply myself to use critical thinking skills. I'm not just like a robot. Um, If I was like stacking boxes in a warehouse, I might feel very differently. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. That's very interesting. Um, That just comes to show you how much culture can literally make or break your whole life at work. Completely. Um, Like 100%. Yeah, kind of the point of view that I want to add to that is um, how you show up at the workplace. So, like, I've seen this in myself where 
like I started my accounting job and my team like in the beginning was really great like it was it was very open but I just showed up as this freshly graduated just kid in the accounting world Mm -hmm. um I didn't really talk about like at the time my hobbies were podcasting like you know I, I love to work out still um I totally invest fully in my friendships as well. I give a lot of time to that. Um, I'm very family oriented. And as Authentic Collective came about, I just like really didn't share those things about me. I didn't really share about my past that I was a dancer. Like these are things I I love dancing. I dance alone in my house all the time. That is my number one way to raise my vibration, by the way. Hashtag spirituality and manifestation 101 episode. Yeah. Um, But... I realized that the moment that I stop hiding behind that, that, oh, I'm, I'm just an accountant. Like now I'm, I'm on this new team and they were getting to know me. They're like, oh, like, what do you do? The first thing that I said was, oh, I have a podcast. Like I have a podcast with my best friend talking about authenticity and mindset. And they're like, oh, like why? And I'm like, because I'm actually so freaking passionate about mindset and spirituality. So passionate that I started recording TikTok videos about it. Just literally, just for Link fun. The TikTok. Like, no, no, we don't need to find <laughs> Let's that. Let's do it. No, it, it was literally just for fun. Like I don't have, I barely have any views, and that's perfectly fine. But it allows me to express myself because I that's love creative. talking about spirituality yeah. and mindset mm-hmm. outside of Authentic Collective. And so, I realized that for me. Uh, quote unquote showing up authentically is not hiding what I enjoy like I'm in a phase of life right now where I love concerts uh all kinds of concerts and you know some people are like oh like that's a crazy life it's like yeah a little bit but that's where I am in my life and that's what I enjoy right now instead of going out to the bars I would rather go out to a concert now literally two concerts in the next week I have three in October (laughs) I have one every weekend we're concerters (laughs) we're concerters Yeah, And so like it's wow. So those things about myself, like I love to cook, I love to eat healthy. And before, you know, if people were talking about, oh, like, I love to go out to eat, I'll be like, oh, yeah, me too. And now I'm like, no, I actually prefer to cook. Like, Mm. I'm not afraid to speak up and to kind of actually truly explain who I am. Yeah. And I think when I broke that barrier, I'm sure there's some kind of trauma response there, too, of like, not being able to wanting to fit in maybe. wanting to fit in people pleasing and also just not allowing myself to truly express myself yeah not because of fear of judgment but just because i don't really have that space i didn't grow up having that space as mm. much um but now it's like i'm able to create the persona of who i truly am all i have to do is just open my mouth and speak yeah. you know and so i i just think i have i have a lot of friends that are in jobs that are so left field Like, I have a friend who is just saving up money right now, right? Working in the restaurant business, working in the delivery business, working in um, any kind of, like, automated call business. Like, any of those things that are just so not aligned with who they are. Mm -hmm. But when they're talking to their coworkers or they're expressing themselves, they're like, yeah, I actually do love to do this. I Mm -hmm. love to read. I love to make music. I love to listen to music. I love to travel. Like, expressing your true, authentic self to your coworkers doesn't it doesn't matter their response to it it matters how you feel expressing that yeah and i think by breaking down that barrier i'm now able to show up better because like for my team in accounting now uh like hearing that i have a podcast and that we you know we are teaching people because we're also teaching ourselves and each other Mm -hmm. 
uh i had to i had to teach two new first years that just joined the team like i had to onboard them and yes it was really stressful because like trying to do it single-handedly is very difficult but at the same time i'm able to apply my communication skills my uh conversational skills right what can we connect on and so now it's not just like hey this is what you do in excel now it's like hey what do you enjoy doing what kind of music do you like to listen to it it, it forces you to create deeper rooted connections with people yeah and the reason i say forces it's in a very positive way because when you start showing vulnerability at Brene brown it forces the other person to produce that vulnerability as well and 100%. accept it as well and yeah. so i think i think vulnerability could definitely be a different subject because it's so multi-layered mm -hmm. but in the workforce i think we are so we are so focused on you know the show mad men yeah yeah so it's like super like suit and tie like cigarette in the mouth go work productivity yeah productivity utilization overutilization. um now we are coming into a time with covid and people quitting their jobs finding their creativity it it shows like hey i'm human here's my heart here are my emotions um actually like recently i had a moment of complete just like weakness and vulnerability on my team where for the first time in my year of working, I went home early because I was like, my, my my mental health right now is in the gutter. Like, I went to the bathroom and cried, like, two or three times, which is, like, if you know me, that's so not me, like, at all in the workforce. Um, so I knew something was definitely wrong. Um, but before, like, I would just sit it out and I'd be like, oh, I have to do this. And yesterday I was like, no, I know what will happen if I don't. And my vulnerability in this moment is expressing that I need to go home. And yeah. my team was like, no, definitely go. And I went home and slept all day. Like, that's what I needed. And so I think it's super important to allow yourself and just trust that if you are your authentic, vulnerable self, to a certain level, of course, that people will accept it. And if they don't, at least you will feel better expressing it and you will know that you're speaking in your truth. Yeah, I'm I'm actually so glad you talk about vulnerability because as you're talking, I'm like, you know what? My situation is a little bit different in the way that like my coworkers know more about me mm -hmm. on a very deep level mm. than most people do in my life um, and vice versa. Like the people that you spend like eight hours a day with yeah. like eventually over time you know if, and I feel like if you're lucky and if you're vulnerable you end up like knowing a lot about these people I know a lot about these people that I just work with mm -hmm. um you know sometimes I spend time with them outside of work depending on you know who it is like yeah. sometimes it goes beyond just work and it's a friendship um and they know a lot about me we've walked each other through stuff in our personal lives that like we wouldn't tell mm -hmm. certain people outside of work and that's fascinating to me but I think that that literally builds this like trust yeah between especially if you're on like a team or like where I work it's very small you know um it's like maybe six or seven people total mm -hmm. so it builds trust it creates a safe space if it's the right people you know you have I mean a huge contributor to all of this also is like who you work with definitely um yeah there's like a of... big there's a big disclaimer for sure of like yeah. read the room and understand the people you're working yeah. with like you you definitely need to if draw sitting, some kind of boundaries if you're sitting with the work gossip you know yeah, you may not want to necessarily like don't go spill your spill beans. all your secrets but you know i've been lucky enough to work with people that are like very 
caring um and very open with each other like we we know dark shit about each Mm. other like very dark stuff and so and it it was like that at at all of my jobs Mm. like I literally in each of my jobs I have made a best friend like Mm -hmm. a really really good friend um and I have learned very intense things um do you feel like those relationships make it do you think it's it makes it easier or harder this is the devil's advocate question do you believe that having that vulnerability makes it easier or harder to keep maintain that work and business relationship because i do have to say like my disclaimer to the vulnerability even though i'm the one who brought it up like i have definitely been burned before where I was almost too vulnerable or too personal. And then when it came to work, I couldn't draw the boundary. Like I couldn't go and ask that person or I couldn't give constructive feedback because then you've almost became too close where now it's like, oh, is this personal? It's like, no, 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 this is about work, right? Like, you know how they say sometimes it's really hard to go to your best friend and give constructive criticism because then they're like, oh, you're attacking me personally. Yeah, AKA why you shouldn't like live with your best friends. You shouldn't room with your best friends. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes sometimes maintaining that work strict work relationship is better for the work like how do you feel about that I don't know yeah like how I feel about it I don't well I don't like making you know too broad generalizations with that stuff especially with like friends because each friendship is different um and you can't really like say you know to one to all but so is every work and industry I think industry is huge too like yeah you go from sorry I know I interrupted you no Um, you're right you go from you know, a, an office job to a waitressing job to a, to the bar industry, right? Like all each industry to traveling, like, uh, flight attendants, like all, there's so many industries that I also think it depends what industry you're working in as well. 100%. Because there's competition and, you know, like 100%. bartenders definitely have probably some kind of like t- tiff versus like who, <laughs> who answers the phone at your reception <laughs> desk. It doesn't matter. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. That's very true. I think I've never experienced, like, any, you know, like, blurring of that boundary because I think because there's a mutual trust. And I work with people who know when to work and and when it's work. You know what I mean? Like, and we can all be very direct with each other. Um, That takes maturity, I think, too. I work with a lot. I work. Everyone's older than me. Yeah. Like, everyone is my age or older. I work with mature people. Um... I, have I worked at jobs where like that boundary got blurred? The story that I told about my coworker's boyfriend oh, yeah. hitting on me and me having to set a boundary with her. I don't her. even know if there was a boundary to blur. <laughs> Stop. Oh my gosh. I'm going to die. <coughs> oh my god. That oh. story. Yeah. That's a really good example of um, blurred lines and blurred boundaries for sure. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah. That's just a one-off example. Don't use that. No, but that that's an example of, like, if you hang out with a coworker outside of work, it might go wrong. <laughs> but I'm lucky at this job that I've been at for a while to not have that experience. And I can easily be like, hey, you know, I need, I need you to do this. And it's, like, no big deal. And, you know, it's a clinic. I don't know. Like, there, I don't know. Vet clinics, if you work in one, you might be able to relate. I'm sure medical clinics are all very similar in that aspect of, like, everyone really relies on each other. Mm -hmm. 
it is definitely a team. There's a very clear structure. Um, there is leadership, but my manager and doctors are very fair and very compassionate people who put our mental health above all. Mm-hmm. Like my manager, honestly, if she left, I would follow her. Like, <laughs> like F the job. Like I'm following you, dude. Like she has created such a culture of like minimizing stress as much as she possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, defending us when need be. Because sometimes clients can be nasty for yeah. no reason. We, if you're in customer service, you know that. Um, and and making sure that we're in a good place. Like, she has... And, and she makes a lot of room for my school. Mm-hmm. Um, happily. She's like, please finish. Like, you do you. Like, do your thing. Uh, if I'm having a really rough day, if I feel sick, at no point... She's like, yeah, go. It never makes me feel guilty mm-hmm. for missing work. I overslept this morning. <laughs> literally this morning. Um, and I text her and I was like, hey, overslept. And she's like, cool, go get coffee. Like, <laughs> just like, no shame, no pressure. Yeah. And that is also key to creating, like, harmony between the coworkers. Yes, no but that like is also something that you you gain that trust. Right? I yeah. feel like you saying this, people listening, some people might just be like, oh, I expect my manager to do the same. It's like, no, like, you didn't come in expecting that from her. That is something that you cultivated by proving yourself right i'm glad you said that yeah that's the disclaimer disclaimer i'm an excellent fucking worker (laughs) i am an extremely hard worker i'm very similar to anna in the way that i am always on time i am always doing my best even if you are no i i just love i just love the shameless (laughs) i'm just if you want to hire me snatch me up i'm just kidding i literally put a lot of pride into my work yeah and i always try to do extra that's who i am as a person so if you're if you're extremely lazy at your job and you're listening to this, yeah, you can't expect you can't shit. expect handouts like that. Um, but I we've totally all had bad bosses. I've been, yeah. I've been, you know, me working really hard, being great, being as nice as I possibly can, and I've had a horrible boss who made this my conversation life miserable. Just got really biased. I have to. I need to stop you. I'm gonna put a boundary up for you, quick. I'm not wrong. I should congratulate myself when I need to. Why do you feel like right now is the time that you need to do that? Where? What do you mean? This is the time you want to celebrate you right now. Authenticity in the workplace? Oh. Work hard. Uh, Ariana's authentic self is really shining Show up. tonight. No, no, no. no. <laughs> On a separate but like equal note. Showing up yes. in the workplace is actually, and this is the first thing we should have said, giving it your best i think like actually putting in effort is authentic for you and will lead to good things in return do am i saying be be a slave to capitalism absolutely (laughs) not not. do not get on your capitalism horse (laughs) don't let me get on that horse i will ride it all the way okay hold on no no so you you just said that i was like okay now i have to give my perspective because i work in a very different industry yeah Um, keep in mind we're in right now not only two completely different career places yeah degree places but like industries so that's why i'm glad we're talking about it together because yeah there will be people that relate to both of us yeah we have we have very different i mean Yes, I am also in client service, but not in the same way where I'm dealing with different clients every day. It's the same client. But for me, it's more the team. What I'm finding to realize is, um, you know, there's a lot of overturn in the market right now. Like the big four is they're just struggling to keep people like it's it's just a known fact. Um, your team that you work with 
literally makes or breaks your whole environment and your whole mental health and kind of going back to showing vulnerability and organizational hierarchy because it does exist in corporate america um i this year i mean it being my i actually hit my one year anniversary a couple weeks ago at work um in a year i can say that i I feel like i've learned decade of information just on how to manage and work with people and the politics behind it Mm. because as much as i hate to say it like they're corporate america runs on politics that that it's its own political game um and i have made mistakes but i have also done things very right where i may have trusted the right or wrong people um kind of the path that i made for myself right now i went through very direct and very good supportive channels to do that and it was it was a lot of question and it was a lot of vulnerability i found one person that i could trust and really had this very difficult conversation of hey, I don't feel supported. I don't feel happy. What do I do? These are my instances. You that advocated for yourself. It, it, yeah, but it, it came from vulnerability, right? And so actually um, last week, I had a very difficult conversation with one of my like very high superior level managers of, I need to offer you the perspective of what I'm seeing. And it really took a lot of self-convincing because in my head, I'm like, what do I know? It's only my second year on the job. Maybe I'm overreacting. But then now I'm, I have these other first years that I am bringing on and onboarding that I feel a sense of responsibility for. And I'm seeing that they're not happy. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, I know that I'm not crazy. So having to share that responsibility and that vulnerability really showed me and shined the light on work is work. Personal relations are personal relations, but mental health is mental health. Yeah. And you have to find the balance between all of those. And of course, like we said, in every industry, it's different levels of each. I feel like, um, you know, those, um, oh my God, I don't even know what it's called. Um, But you know, in movies where there's like a chemical, they're doing a chemical experiment and there's these tubes of colored liquid and they go up and down and they're trying to balance out. Sure. Like Dexter's laboratory. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Don't act like I'm crazy right now. It's just very, I too am really good at my job. cartoon okay the levels yes the levels evil science but honestly the levels really are such a good representation of what we have to do at work because Mm. you have to be able to be to a certain level emotionally intelligent to know when can i I open my mouth when should i open my mouth and what should i say and what can i say 100 Um, yeah so yeah so that was just like the kind of the two cents of the politics of yes i i have learned to show up authentically but i have I feel like I have had a little bit of a harder time because of the political nature of oh yeah big four accounting and it's a it's a whole different beast yeah like I only have one person okay like we're owned corporately mm-hmm. but it, it looks very different obviously from like your structure. type of corporate structure mm-hmm. um like our corporate structure is one corporation that owns like 1300 different vet clinics mm-hmm. and we operate you know under their system and their rules but we're pretty much isolated as a mm. clinic and we do our own thing. Gotcha. So we have like a regional, you know, manager that may be managing like six, seven, eight of those clinics. Yeah. But our practice manager that's in charge of the practice at the end of the day calls most of the shots. Cool. So that's how it kind of that's works. That's actually really cool. I like that uh, kind of yeah. structure. You get you get more autonomy. You do. And it, at a vet clinic, obviously, you have like you're practicing medicine. So like that's very important. And like you have to decide, you know. We, we all we set our own policies and everything within like mm-hmm. the rules but um so I only have one person that I need to go to if I need like 
to change something or if I need to like you know what I mean if Mm -hmm. I need to advocate for myself I have someone that just talk to about it and they're gonna like immediately put that into motion for me Mm -hmm. and I don't have to like send in a ticket to like HR you know what I mean like yeah I I don't have to go through the structures and the channels I have that right at my fingertips and people who work in brick and mortar stores or places will relate to that um or maybe even like teaching jobs like where you have you know a, a principal or something is the next thing that comes to my mind so it looks very different I think let's talk about as we're kind of nearing the end yeah I think the most important thing that most people will be wondering if we don't talk about it it'll be on their minds how to deal with the toxic coworker. And if you want, you can. We're gonna use that as a trope. That can be a toxic team or a toxic manager. We're gonna talk about the toxic coworker, quote unquote, quote unquote. What do you have a story that you can share safely (laughs) in this space? Maybe you can't. That's okay. Um, Or how how do you deal? What what is? Yeah. What's your take? (laughs) We're laughing because it's too real. There's a reason that this episode came about. <laughs> right? Um, okay, I'm gonna... Be wise, y'all. Yeah, be, be wise um, in, in the sense of anonymity and my safety. <laughs> and, me, and me actually enjoying my job and not wanting Absolutely. to lose it. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm gonna give kind of very broad, but uh, I had a toxic co-worker. Um, actually, somebody who's superior to me. Which I think makes it that much more difficult because you're like, shit, what do I do? Definitely. Um, and I know I kind of mentioned this before, so I'll just kind of talk about the steps that I went through and how I feel. Like, I'm not going to actually talk about all the toxicity that happened because, honestly, I have some PTSD from it and I really don't want to relive it right now. Absolutely. Um, but when I realized... So first, I'd say the moment I realized it was bad was when I was literally sitting in a meeting and they were speaking and I started, like, rolling my eyes. And I was like oh no, like, this is Anna's, this is Anna at wit's end, like, I have a really good RBF, we all know this, Anna, Anna's down for this, um, and when I couldn't keep my RBF and I started rolling my eyes, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end Girl, the I'm road. the same way, as soon as I lose that facial composure, you're just like, shit, it's done, yeah, so I realized things were bad, and I started, um, you know, I started talking to some of my friends, I had some really close people to me at the time, and I was like, hey, I don't really know what to do. And so the first step is like, okay, you need to go tell somebody. It's like, okay, who do I tell in this massive company? Yeah. Um, thankfully, when I was getting recruited, I was taken under the wing of this awesome mentor who I ran into by total accident at a happy hour. And he was like, hey, like, how's your experience going? And I was like, to be honest, I am coming to the realization, which... Um, totally unlike me, but I came to the realization about two to three months later. Like, I didn't realize in the moment it was a toxic environment and, like, my mental health was deteriorating drastically Mm. until two, three months later where I was like, oh my god, if I could quit my job right now, I would. Mm. Not because of the job, but because of this one specific person. So, I kind of gave him the whole download of it, and hearing his reaction showed me that oh this actually isn't normal like his reaction really was like complete complete mortification he was super embarrassed for the firm like which it wasn't even his doing and the next thing he said he said we need to get other people involved which I've never like I've had I've had some very serious 
serious issues at work before um very personal issues at uh, my like dance studio etc um that's I think that's a whole I don't know what kind of episode that needs to be um something yeah but this was also very like sensitive because it could have gotten HR involved it's somebody super superior to me I'm a first year what do I know right like all of these questions and turbulence came up and he pretty much held my hand through it and it forced me to have to open up and share what had happened I started meeting with like partners at our firm which are you know 38 40 year old plus men who have been with the firm for 20 years and are very high up don't have time to be handling little things like this or what seemed to be little I had like three different lunches with three different partners expressing my concern expressing my feelings um did I cry before in my car and after yes did I show up with a straight face yes big girl shit (laughs) big girl shit did I self-affirmations I said more self-affirmations in those days than I ever have in my life absolutely um and so it really was a matter of going through the appropriate channels and speaking up about it because the moment I started speaking up about it I had like five or six more people show up and be like hey I also had this experience with this person Mm. um and so that was honestly very motivating and that was very encouraging to see that people want to speak up and people are scared People are scared to speak up in the workplace. This isn't just big four. This Absolutely. is all jobs. Like yeah. whether whether you're getting terrorized, abused emotionally, or whether your mental health is suffering. Like people are afraid to speak up, and I totally get it because most companies there is retaliation, whether or not. And this is your livelihood. They want to accept it. Yeah, exactly. And so, it really took. I mean, it's been a three month journey, of talking to the appropriate channels, retelling my story, rehashing all of the things that happened. So where I am finally now coming out of it, I was moved to a different team. I have different superiors. I am so, so looking forward to starting this. Um, I just don't sound exciting because I'm still closing loose ends. Yeah. Um, like as we speak right now. And so all of that has really, really shed light on not only what this other team and this person was doing, but I realized myself I wasn't my authentic self. Mm. I should have spoken up. If my boundary was crossed, I should have said something, right? And, you know, there, there, I do carry fault in it. Um, I don't think every situation there is fault on both sides, but in this case, there definitely is, and that's something I can admit. Like, my fault was definitely uh, losing, like, communication and not maybe being as proactive as, like, hey, get to know me, um, which I think caused a rift in communication and leadership, but that also being said, like, I am a first year, what do I know, right? So I have to give myself, credit, like, a discount for that. Um, so I think also workplace, it really forces you to be really real and honest with yourself, which I think life forces you to be real and honest with yourself, and most people, unfortunately, are not. But if you have the awareness, and if you have the first steps of acknowledgement of, hey, I fucked up. I fucked up. Not you, not anything around me, not the environment. I did. I think you were able to then see, okay, what do I need to do and what do I need for myself? Yeah. Um, so I think I think there's so many like little ingredients back to our chemical cartoon. <laughs> I think there's so many like ingredients and inputs that go in, including responsibility, communication, knowing what you want out of the job. Also knowing what do you want to bring to this job. I didn't know who I wanted to be on my team. Mm. Now I do. I know I want to be a leader. I know I want to be that mediating space. I also know I want to be a safe space for people. Like the way that I'm talking to my first years now, I've literally had calls with them multiple times a week saying, hey, what do you need? Like, what Mm. can I do? Also, what am I doing that is not providing for you? Like 
take take fucking responsibility for yourself take responsibility not for others but take responsibility for what you play in their life yeah because yeah work is your second life yeah um so yeah my experience with a toxic coworker was really rough um but i do have to say it has been one of the biggest like learning curves of my life it'll teach you Um, a lot for sure i think for me yeah over the with the various ones that i've had over the years um and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm the same way as you. Like, I know as soon as I get that attitude in my head. Yeah, it's hard to go back. And I can be snappy and, like, self-defensive um, when provoked, like a mm. small woodland animal. So <laughs> I will bite you like a squirrel. Um, Very different metaphors here. <laughs> do not provoke me. Oh, my God. Um, don't back me into a corner. I will claw my way out of it. A so squirrel. because of that, that obviously doesn't make for good workplace relations. So I do shut my mouth a lot. But for me, it looked like not necessarily switching environments Mm -hmm. all the time. Although eventually that would, you know, happen because you don't work with the same people forever. um, Most of the time. Uh, I just had to set a lot of boundaries. Mm. And there there would always be like one of my coworkers who seemed like impervious and immune to the evilness of said toxic coworker, mm, mm-hmm. and what i what i've done is go up to that person and say hey how do you do it like how are you so calm and and secure in the face of of that type of nastiness or mm-hmm. that type of annoyance or that type of disrespect how do you do it and i mean if we're being honest like there's there's all these levels to it right like i've experienced levels of like really bad management, passive aggression, and then I've experienced, like, really annoying co-workers, mm. like, don't know how to work well with people. Like, there's different levels to it. I'm not talking right now in my personal life about, like, anything like harassment or anything like that. I'm just talking about, like, annoyance, brief disrespect, like, not really a good team player, stuff like that. Just makes it difficult to work with them. And the person who, you know, was, like, impervious to them would give me really good advice on you know, you got to focus on yourself and your work here. Mm -hmm. Don't take it personally. Whatever it is, it's not personal. It's not personal. Ten times out of ten, they have shit going on at home. And I am not here to say... I I, I worked with someone for a really long time. I can say this safely because she's not there anymore. She was fired. Um, I contributed to that. She needed to go. (laughs) Um, Who was just genuinely super toxic. Like, genuinely not good to work with would actually, um, you know, got my number, would drunk call me outside of work, um, which is, oh my God, just ridiculous, just ridiculous. And, you know, significantly older than me. And I was like new to the job and I was doing like all of the work and picking up all of the workload. And I was finding myself having to do the self-affirmations on the way to work in the morning because I was like, I need help, man. Like, I can't do this. And so it was for me a combination in that instance of the two things one similar to yours, I went to management and expressed my discomfort, which mm-hmm. they had already noticed. And they knew they could vouch for my integrity. They could vouch for how hard of a worker I was. And so they understood that, like, okay, she's not making a big deal out of nothing. This is a problem. And we all know how it works with work. You need to gather, I don't want to say evidence, evidence yeah. but... It, it is takes evidence, time yeah. to really, especially we, we live in Texas, which is an at will state. Yeah. So you can be fired at will, but that doesn't mean that someone can't come back at you and like blame you for Retire, stuff. That isn't yeah. true. 
So it was a combination of that and setting very strict boundaries to that person. I did not share anything in my personal life. I did not give in to their sob stories. Mm. I did not give in to their toxicity. I had to remain a very strong, (laughs) rooted Mm. tree, Mm -hmm. not swaying in the wind. And that took a lot of self-control, which I'm glad because it developed a lot of my self-control. And I was very direct. I've always been really bad at being direct, but I've gotten amazing at it Mm -hmm. through this job because of the experiences that I have had with the toxic coworker. I believe you need to stand up for yourself just as you did in your way by getting help and how I've done, which at times was by being very straightforward um, and saying to their face, absolutely not, honey, no way. Like, not me. Mm-hmm. Not today. Like, you got the wrong girl. Mm. And then being taken aback by that and then never doing it again. Mm. Like, and I'm not usually that type of person. I will usually put up with... I was the type of person that would put up with anything and everything. But I believe that sometimes you really need to assert yourself. And I know for some people listening, that's that sounds like a nightmare. Um, and I can relate to that feeling of not wanting to do it. If no one's going to step in for you, you need to set your boundaries. And if someone's being disrespectful or straight up ridiculous, I think it's okay to, within respect, um, because I do still believe in, you know, giving respect, even if they're not necessarily deserving of it, but to, to, to sit there and be like, no, yeah, like, I'm not okay with that, and you need to stop, and then getting help, if need be, and then they might get fired, you might be fine, (laughs) so... That's my happy story as <laughs> a happy ending. And we'll we'll sometimes reflect back on that experience and be like, oh God, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> remember that experience? And and don't be that person. Yeah. Don't be the person that brings our personal life to work in the worst and ugliest yeah. way. I talked earlier about being vulnerable with my coworkers and we all know very dark things about each other. We don't bring it to work as in like I do not take out anything going on in my life onto the people that I work with and vice versa. And if they do, we call each other out on it real quick. Like, hey, I noticed you're in a really bad mood. Like, is something going on? Yeah, my boyfriend sucks. Okay, hey, I'm here for you. But, like, I need to So, like, set your your boundaries, but also have your own boundaries of knowing when it's acceptable or not. Yeah. Because that person was, had a really, really rough time. And they were taking it out on everyone and themselves. And that's just not okay. Like, be a grown-up. Be an adult. Learn to deal with your shit. Like... And that's kind of our, that's kind of the motto of this whole podcast. Be an adult. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. Do your best. And yeah. And just don't be afraid to show up as your true self wherever you are. Wherever you're working. Yeah, this was, this was a lot. This was a lot. I'm surprised. This was a lot, I know. We had so much to say. I know. We're running the clock. I know, we really are. We're running against (laughs) the clock right now. We have um, 120 seconds to To close close out. out. Okay, so All right. long story short is set your boundaries, don't be afraid to express yourself, ask for help when you need it, and just also know that everything is temporary. Yeah. Your job is temporary, everything can be temporary, and don't wait until you're 50 to have your midlife crises. Have little ones as you go now and little figure it ones. out. Yeah, And you can change your direction. Believe in that. You can change it. If you really want to, you can make it happen. If you don't think you can, Manifestation 101 will teach you how. Go back to that episode and <laughs> and then come back to this one. 
Um, but we appreciate you listening as always. Um, we will be back next week with another fun, exciting topic. Um, maybe diving into some of our previous topics and expanding more. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, having new ones. Send in your mm-hmm. requests. Send in your questions. We now have questions in the podcast itself so if you click in the description there's a question there that relates to the episode that you can answer that yeah. would be really cool yeah please um and where can you find us at the underscore authentic underscore collective baby. where we also have good posts and snippets of the podcast as well and yes, we do we look forward to seeing you guys in a week we'll catch y'all later bye bye